You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestoakville.ca. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we bow before you now. We cry out, hallelujah. Father, you are worthy of all of our praise. You are righteous and you are merciful, you are loving, you are holy, you are kind, you are always ready to forgive. So Lord, we will give thanks to you. We will lift your name high above every other name. Lord, I pray, would you give us breath and would you give us strength to sing to you? Because no one deserves the song that we sing except you. Father, you alone are worthy. Lord, we confess that our hearts are prone to wander that sometimes we are more captivated by the things of this world than we are by the glory of our God. And so I pray, would you forgive us? I pray that as we worship and as we open your word now, I pray, oh God, would you show us your glory? Would you show us your holiness? And Father, as we see the greatness of who you are, as we see your holiness revealed to us, I pray in this moment that you would also give us a glimpse of the shame of our sin. But Father, as we see the shame of our sin, I pray, O oh God, that you would help us to see the power of your grace that forgives. And so for all who walked in here tonight, Father, hanging on to sin in their life, would you extend grace to them? Would you extend grace to all of us? Lord, would you grant to us repentance and forgiveness so that the worship that is rising up to you even now in this moment comes from clean hands and a pure heart. Father, I pray that today, that today would be the day that you change lives for now and for eternity. Father, I pray that today would be the day where the hungry and the thirsty will be satisfied in you. I pray that today would be the day where the blind are able to see, Lord, that today would be the day where the dead are raised to life. Lord, I ask this from you with confidence. I ask it with expectation, Father, because we know that that is what you desire to do. So Lord, now in this moment, would you, would you sanctify us by your word, for your word is truth. Father, would you change us? Would you transform us? Would you show us your glory? God, I pray now in this moment, would you please speak to your people? Lord, we don't need to hear from a man. We don't need to hear clever ideas or opinions. Father, now in this moment, we need to hear truth from you. So I pray, would you be so gracious as to do that for us now in this moment? I pray for your glory and for our unending joy. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, Harvest. Hey, all right, all right, it's a good start. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. And uh, as you're turning there, uh, let me say how grateful I am uh, to the elders of this church for the opportunity to be here with you tonight. Uh, I am so thankful and so excited to be here. And uh, I was just saying to somebody uh, earlier tonight before we came into the worship center that as much as I absolutely love what the Lord is doing at Harvest Bible Chapel in Brantford, uh, there is so much of me that misses being here with you. And uh, just seeing what the Lord is doing here in this church, I'm so thankful 
uh, for the influence and the impact that this church has had on me and on my family in such a very short period of time. And uh, so it is so good to be back here with you tonight and to open up God's word together. I'm also really excited to bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters in Christ at Harvest Bible Chapel in Brantford. Amen, amen, yeah, amen. Amen. Uh, Pastor Robbie asked if I would give just a a brief update about how things are going in Brantford, and uh, I would be absolutely delighted to do that. And I'm actually going to share a little bit of that with you as we go along in God's word tonight. But just by way of a really brief update right now, um, Harvest Bible Chapel in Brantford launched on Sunday, May the 4th, which is almost four months ago. And uh, that's really hard to believe. And uh, I stand before you tonight to testify that God has been so so good. Um, Launching and now growing has not been without its challenges, uh, but God has proven himself to be faithful every single time. Uh, Launch Sunday was an absolute joy, and uh, if I'm honest with you, it was an absolute whirlwind as well, and uh, there was so much going on that day. As a core group leading up to Launch Sunday four months ago, we prayed that the Lord would show us his glory. We pray that he would show us his glory on that day. We pray that he will show us his glory. I pray for decades to come. Uh, But we prayed specifically for that day. And you need to know that on launch Sunday, 10 people turned to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. And uh, we are so, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. We are so thankful for that. That That was a wonderful day of celebrating the goodness and the glory of God among his people. A few weeks later, after launch Sunday, we had our first baptism service. We baptized eight people who got into the tank and testified about the goodness of God in their own life. We have more people lined up to get baptized in October coming up. Uh, You may know, you may remember, if you've been around here for a little while, uh, that in our core group before we launched, we had a lot of kids. And uh, today in our church, we have a lot of kids. And uh, so Harvest Kids in Brantford is bursting at the seams. That is a fantastic problem to have. Little children are coming to church, some of them for the very first time. They're asking their questions. They're hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're getting answers to their questions from the word of God. And we are so, so thankful for what the Lord is doing in that ministry. Currently, we have two small groups in Brantford that actually were existing before we launched. Uh, They're actually not small groups. They're pretty big groups. And um, Lord willing, we'll be launching a third group in the next few weeks. And then Lord willing, again, we'll launch uh, hopefully another four or five groups just after Christmas. And uh, that is so exciting. Uh, Leaders getting trained, people in the church who are hungry for the word of God, hungry to grow in their relationship with the Lord, hungry for good, biblical, solid relationships of accountability and love, all for the sake of growing in Jesus Christ. Listen, the bottom line is this. People of all ages being transformed by Jesus Christ for the glory of God. And it's not because of us. It's not because of anything that we can do. This is all because of what the Lord has graciously chosen to do in us and through us and for his glory. And I am totally convinced that he is not done yet. He is far from it. And so as a church, uh, we are praying that the Lord would continue to do far more than we could ever ask or think, and uh, we would be honored and extremely thankful if you would continue to join in that prayer with us in Brantford as well. Listen, in all of that, I want you to hear this, and I say this to you uh, personally, and I say this to you also on behalf of Harvest Bible Chapel in Brantford. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, for your love 
and your support and your encouragement and your grace and your generosity and for praying with us and for praying for us. Please don't stop. Keep praying. Uh, You have no idea how encouraging it is for me to walk through the halls here even before the service started tonight and and for a number of you just to stop and say hi and and just to let me know that you're praying for us. That goes a long way. And uh, we are extremely thankful to the Lord for this church. Know this, that you have brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ just down the highway who are standing strong with you in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, we are so extremely thankful to the Lord for you. And uh, we want you to know that, which actually takes us to our text today. Let's have our Bibles open to Psalm 103. And uh, we are going to spend our time tonight focusing on the last few verses of this chapter in verses 19 through 22. But as a way of establishing some context for you, I'd like to read the entire psalm. So have your Bible open to Psalm 103 and follow along as I read, beginning at verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But... The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The driving message of this psalm from the very beginning is for us to bless the Lord. Seven times in this chapter, David calls, bless the Lord. And three of those times, he directs that command to us specifically and says, bless the Lord. So because that command is so central to this passage, and because that command is now leading us to the mountaintop at the end of this passage, it's important for us to to understand what David means when he says, bless the Lord. 
And so you can jot down this definition up on the screen for you. To bless the Lord is my response of praise to the greatness of God. To bless the Lord is my response of praise to the greatness of God. God is always watching over you. He's always watching over every part of your life from beginning to end, from start to finish, every single day, the Lord is watching over you. He's watching over your life, your family, your health, your job, your marriage, your kids, every single part of your life from start to finish, God is watching over you. And as he's watching over you, he's reviewing all of the needs that you have in your life. And as he sees all of those needs, God in his grace and in his abundance provides for those needs. And that's what it means for the Lord to bless us. God reviews all of our needs and then provides for them. But you read here Psalm 103, and we see that the command is reversed. David says, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. See, for us to bless the Lord is not for us to step back and see what God needs and then try and provide for him, because we know that God does not need anything. He does not need anything at all from us. He is completely sufficient in himself. And so for us to bless the Lord is for us to step back and look at the greatness and the beauty and the majesty and the holiness of God and respond to him. We respond to the greatness of who God is. And so now, all throughout Psalm 103, David is calling it to us, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. This passage is a call for us to realize that the truth of Psalm 103 contains some of the most important truth that we will ever know because it's this truth that changes our lives both now and for eternity. It is this truth that is a call for us to realize that my soul was made to praise the Lord. Your soul was made to praise the Lord. And because that's true, that means then that my soul was not made to praise my job. My soul was not made to praise my reputation that I've worked so hard to build up and then to maintain. My soul was not made to praise my education or, or to praise the things of this world, even though there are so many things that God gives us that satisfy us with good, that are good for us, that come directly from the hand of God. None of those things are able to satisfy the deepest longing of our soul. Instead, my soul was made to praise the Lord. Your soul was made to praise the Lord. See, David begins this psalm in verses one through five with a call to you and to me as individuals to turn our attention to the Lord and remember what God has done for us. He says, don't forget all of the benefits that God has given to you because of his grace. And then in verse six, David very definitively turns a corner in verses 6 through 18, he turns his attention to the entire community of faith. And he says, listen, everyone, together, we must remember what God has done for us. We must remember that he has not turned away from us, that he has not turned his back on us, that he will not keep his anger against us forever. We cannot forget what God has done for us as a people. And now in verses 19 through 22, he turns his attention to all of creation, and David says, come on, angels, come on, mighty ones, come on, heavenly hosts, come on, all of creation, let's all rise up together in unison and bless the Lord, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, all praise in all the universe given only to God. All praise in all the universe given only to God. Why? Why? because he is Lord over all, because he is sovereign. For God to be sovereign means that God is the one who exercises uncontested power over the universe. 
For God to be sovereign means that everything falls under the rule and the reign of God. Just reading these last four verses in Psalm 103 makes it so clear that this is all about the Lord. Everything has been created by him. Everything is sustained through him. And everything exists for him. And that's the message of all of scripture. Paul says in Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17, up on the screen for you. He says, for by him, speaking specifically of Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things created by him, all things sustained through him, all things exist for him. Paul also said in Romans 11, verse 36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. All things created by him, all things sustained through him, all things exist for him. In fact, 10 times in these four verses in Psalm 103, David makes reference to all of these things belonging to God and existing specifically for the purposes of God. And loved ones, when we realize all of that, and when we step back and wrap our arms around all of that, it leads us to one conclusion. It leads us to realize that if I truly know God, then I must truly praise God. If I truly know God, then I must truly praise God. Don't forget, David has spent all of Psalm 103 trying to help us remember who God is and everything God has done and that God has been so gracious and so loving. And he says, don't forget all of his benefits. Don't forget that God is the one who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He said, the Lord is the one who works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. And he says, the Lord is merciful and gracious. And he's slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love. And he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor does he repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love of God for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He knows that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. David says, come on, don't forget this. This is too important to let it slide. This is your God. You know your God. And if you truly know him, then you must truly praise him. Now, I'm not suggesting that we need to know everything that there is to know about God in order to praise him because we simply can't. We can't know everything there is to know about God. The Bible says that God is completely set apart from us, that there is no God like our God, that he is completely different from us. His ways are not our ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. But God has revealed himself in his word. 
And God has revealed himself in his son. And if you know the joy of salvation in Jesus Christ, then you know that this is a gift from the gracious hand of God. And if you know that, then you must truly praise God. See, if my heart has been truly transformed, then I may not understand everything that happens in my life. I may not understand why it happens or or when it happens, when it does. And I may not get all of that, but I will understand that my greatest joy in life will come in surrendering all of my praise to the Lord. If I truly know God, then I must truly praise God. And David closes Psalm 103 by reminding us now of who God truly is and why it should lead us to praise him. Three reasons why I must praise the Lord. Here's the first. I will bless the Lord because he controls all things. I will bless the Lord because he controls all things. Notice again, Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. I will bless the Lord because he controls all things. The idea here is that God's place of honor and his kingdom are fixed, they're immovable. God's place of honor in the universe does not depend on someone else giving it to him. It does not depend on on someone else granting God permission to have that place of honor, nor does God need to continue to fight in order to maintain his position of honor in the universe. No, his throne is established because of who he is. The God who created all things controls all things. Nothing will move God from his throne in this universe, in this country, in this city, in this church, or in your life. Some of you are sitting here right now and you're thinking, well, wait a minute. Why is it then that when I look at my life, it feels like there are so many things in my life that are just swirling out of my control? I mean, why is it that I just take a look at where I am and it feels like there's all of these loose ends that I can't seem to grab a hold of? I mean, how do I deal with that? What do I do with that? I want to suggest to you that often we don't praise the Lord like we should. Because we forget that he is in control even when our life doesn't feel like it. Here's a list of common reasons why we don't always bless the Lord in our lives. And and before we go through this list, I want to challenge you just in the quietness of this moment to ask the Lord to help you search your own heart and, and see maybe if you fall into this list somewhere. Because I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we all fit in here somewhere. Reasons that we often don't bless the Lord like we should. First, my plan is too hard to release. My plan is too hard to release. Maybe you've gone through a season in your life where you've said, God, when I got married, I mean, I had this great plan for my marriage. I had this five-year plan all mapped out, and it was supposed to go like this. But somewhere in those five years, everything just fell off the rails. And I don't know how we got here. The only thing that I know right now is that this whole thing feels like a mess. And I don't know how we're going to get out. But God, I had this ideal in my mind, and I'm going to fight for my marriage. Even if it's not the ideal that you have in mind for me, God, this is what I'm going after. This is my marriage, and this is what I want. Often we don't bless the Lord like we should because we forget that he is in control even when our life doesn't feel like it. We don't bless the Lord as we should because my plan is too hard to release. Second, also because my pain is too hard to handle. My pain is too hard to handle. 
Maybe you're sitting here right now and, and you're, you have your Bible open to Psalm 103 and, and you're reading through and you see all of these commands that David says, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, and, and you're thinking to yourself, seriously? I mean, you want me to bless the Lord? Do you know what I'm going through right now? I mean, do you know how much time I've wasted sitting in a doctor's office waiting for news I didn't want to hear? Do you understand how many nights I have gone to bed and laid my head on the pillow and cried myself to sleep because the pain is too hard to handle? I mean, do you understand the relational dynamics that exist in my family right now? And and do you have any idea what my sister said to me and, and the way that she said it and the way that it came across and there are words that you can't take back and, and now it's gonna be totally different. Things may never be the same again. I mean, really, do you expect me to bless the Lord in my life when I see all of this relational wreckage around me? Often, We don't bless the Lord as we should because we forget that he is in control even when our life doesn't feel like it. We don't bless the Lord as we should because my my plan is too hard to release, my pain is too hard to handle, and then my past is too hard to forget. Maybe you've done some stuff. Maybe you regret some of it. Perhaps you have hurt some people or some people have hurt you. Maybe you've gone down some pathways that have made it really difficult for you to turn back around. You're sitting here and you're listening to us talk about the love of God and and you're having a really hard time understanding how you could ever be eligible for the love of God in your life. And yet, God's word is saying to us, God's word is saying to you right now that he is the one who forgives all of your iniquities. Do you know what that means? That God is the one who takes all of those times in our life where we have purposely turned away from him and kept walking, and he forgives all of it. And he heals all of your diseases. And he redeems your life from the pit. I mean, some of you are here right now, and you're like, yes, that's the word that I would use to describe my life right now. It feels like a pit. It feels like a cold, dark, lonely place. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I'm going to get out. But all I know is that I can't handle it right now, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to get out of this pit. Listen, you want to know how to get out of the pit? Turn to God. God is the one who gets you out of the pit. Listen, right now, in this moment, God himself is throwing a lifeline down that pit, and he's saying, loved one, grab a hold of that lifeline and let me pull you out. That's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus himself went into the pit for you to rescue you so that you would never have to go back into the pit again. Turn to God. He says, God is the one who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. And God is the one who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You're sitting here thinking to yourself, how can God do all that? I mean, how can he bring all of that together in my life? Here's how, because he's sovereign. Because he controls all things. He is the one who sits on the throne, like David says. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. Listen, God is the only one who can take what looks to be totally lost and totally redeem it. So how do we get there? We need to notice verse 19 again. David says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. 
Listen, his kingdom rules over your plans, over your pain, over your past. His kingdom rules over all. So what does that mean? First, it means that his kingdom rules over the seemingly random things in my life. Proverbs 16, verse 33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Israel would often cast lots as a way of making unbiased decisions, and this was frequently done in the presence of the Lord. But what we need to take from this is to know that every decision, every incident, every occurrence of your life falls under the providential guidance of God. There is no random in your life. There is no coincidence in your life. And one of the great mistakes that we make as Christians is to think that there sometimes is. And when we think that there sometimes is, we miss the opportunity to come before the Lord and say, Lord, listen, this just happened. It seems out of the blue. I wasn't expecting this. I don't know what to do with this. But God, help me to see any lesson that you might have for me in this. Help me to know what you want me to know and and help me to see what you want me to see and help me to be prepared for whatever it is that you desire for me down the road. See, sometimes there's things that happen to us as Christians and And um, it's totally out of nowhere. And we look at that, we go through that, and we think to ourselves, wow, that was random. No, it's not. (laughs) It's not random. There is nothing random in your life because everything falls under the providential guidance of God. His kingdom rules over the seemingly random things in my life. His kingdom also rules over the most powerful people in my world. God can take the people with the most authority and the most influence over what you do and where you go, and he will lead them in the way that he wants them to go. Daniel 2 verse 21 says, speaking of God, he changes times and seasons. So this summer that has felt more like fall, all under the providential guidance of God. So dress warm. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. This is your God. Proverbs 21 verse 1 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. I love that verse. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Think for a minute of a farmer digging an irrigation ditch. He can dig that ditch in any direction that he wants the water to flow. And now the Bible is saying that the Lord can move the heart of a king and the life of an entire nation just like that. Maybe you have a boss in your life who's exerting influence over you in ways that's making it really difficult for you to do your job. Maybe you have a neighbor who's who's making it really hard for you to coexist. You need to hear tonight that the Lord can change them. The Lord can change their heart. Maybe you are that boss. Maybe you are that neighbor. And you need to hear tonight that the Lord can change your heart too. His kingdom rules over the seemingly random things in my life, over the most powerful people in my world, and then this, his kingdom rules over all of the evil around me. His kingdom rules over all of the evil around me. You know, we turn on the news. We see violence in the Middle East. 
We see terrorism multiplying in so many different places around the world, and as absolutely brutal as all of that is, and and as gruesome as it continues to be day after day, week after week, the one truth that we must never forget is that God is still on his throne. God is still in control. He is still at work. The Lord said to Habakkuk, an Old Testament prophet, who was going through some circumstances that I think were fairly similar to what we see on the news every day now, The Lord said to Habakkuk, I am doing a work so great that you would not believe, even if told. God is still at work. God is still in control of everything that is taking place. From the violence in the world, to the evil in your life, to the death of his only son on the cross, God is still in control. God is still on the throne. Isaiah 53 verse 10 says that it was the will of the Lord to crush his only son for our sins. His kingdom rules over all of the evil around me. And then finally this, his kingdom rules over all things. Here's the definitive statement, Ephesians 1 verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, listen, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. God doesn't depend on anyone else to tell him what to do. Psalm 115 verse 3 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. All of that to say this. I will bless the Lord because he controls all things. Maybe we need to step back long enough and consider that the things that don't turn out the way that we think they should could be God protecting us from something else. Could be God protecting us from making a big mistake that we don't see or or from having to deal with pain that we can't yet handle or, or from going through suffering that we're not prepared yet to endure. Or we can look at the other side of that same coin and understand that God may be using something you're going through that's hard in your life right now to refine you and to purify you, to prepare you for something later in your life. Listen, Only God, who is sovereign, can see that far ahead in your life and know with perfect wisdom exactly what you need. Why? Why? Because he has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. God, out of his perfect love for you, may be steering you in a direction right now that you don't completely understand, but it is for your good. And listen, listen, loved ones. There is coming a day when you will stand before the Lord, when we will stand before the Lord in the glory of his heaven, and our eyes will be opened to some degree to see with fresh eyes the sovereignty of our Savior. And we will realize that however it is that he's directing you in your life right now will be worth it all because even then, in eternity, we will bow to our knees before the Lord and we will bless the Lord because he controls all things. Second, I will bless the Lord because he commands all things. He commands all things. Notice verse 20. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. I will bless the Lord because he commands all things. David uses four titles here in these two verses, all of which appear to refer to angels. 
He calls them angels, mighty ones, hosts, and ministers. And David gives us a little bit of insight into uh, the, the purpose that angels play in the sovereign will of God. First of all, he says they are able. Notice the first part of verse 20 again. He calls them, you mighty ones. Angels are the ones who are being sent into spiritual battle. 2 Peter chapter 2 says that angels are stronger than even the most rebellious human beings. The idea here in Psalm 103, when David calls them mighty ones, is that angels are the ones who excel in strength. They can bring great things to pass. They keep going in the work that God has placed before them to do without ever tiring from that work. When I was younger, uh, I played a lot of basketball, and, and I could play, and I could go and go and go and go, and it would take a while to get tired, and then I would get tired, and I would stop. And, and now, all of these years later, I can play basketball for about 10 minutes before all of the bones and the joints begin to snap and crackle and pop, and, and I've, I've reached the part of life where I've just learned to enjoy the sweetness of life in much smaller periods of time. And it's great. As humans, we get tired and we grow weary. And as much as we want to be able to keep going, we're not always able. That's why we take breaks. That's why we take holidays and vacations. And we go away for a while because we're unable to continuously go and tirelessly go in the same routine that God has put before us. But now David turns his attention to the angels and he says, you mighty ones, you who never tire of the work that God gives you, you rise up and bless the Lord because he is worthy. Not only are they able but then David says they are also willing. Notice the next part of verse 20. He says, they are those who do his word. Matthew 18 says that angels are constantly in the presence of God and they are expectant and they are waiting to do whatever it is that God desires for them to do. They are able and they are willing and then they are ready. Next part of verse 20 and into verse 21 says that angels are ready to do whatever it is that God wills for them to do, whether it's bringing a message to God's people as they do in Luke 1, or carrying out God's judgment as they do in 2 Samuel 24, or whether it's battling demonic forces like they do in Daniel 9. They are always ready to do whatever it is that God desires. Now, what's the point of this little primer on angels? Here it is. For as powerful as angels are, and for as ready and willing and able as they might be, they all fall under the command of God himself. And so now the Bible is saying, David is saying, all of you angels, you who were created for the very purpose of doing the will of God, you who sit directly under the command of God, who fight battles in the spiritual realm, you who are stronger than even the hardest of human hearts, you who have been given great power and great authority from the hand of God himself, you now come with all of creation and rise up together in unison and let's bless the Lord. That's how worthy of praise our God is. This is all calling us now back to the joy of blessing the Lord because he commands all things, even the most powerful spiritual beings in the entire universe. See, scripture is clear that the only object of our affection is to be the living God. We are to love him with all of our heart and soul and strength and mind. 
We are to go after him with everything that we have. We are to follow him. We are to give our lives to him. We are not to worship angels. We are not to pray to angels. Instead, we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and know that all of these things will be added unto us. But angels do set a helpful example of what it means for us as believers to live a life of praise to God. And so the question for us right now is, how do I know if I'm living a life of praise to God? Here's three questions that you can ask yourself to help you know if you're living a life of praise to God. First, am I ready? Am I ready? As I spend time in the presence of God, and as I read his word, and as I pray, and as I worship, and as God gives direction and discernment in all of these areas of my life, am I ready to do what God is asking me to do? Am I at that point in my life where I'm ready to come before the Lord and say, Lord, here am I, send me. Lord, I don't know where this is going to take me. I don't know what it's going to look like. I've got steps one and two, but I don't know three, four, and five yet. But God, here I am. I'm ready. Use me. Are you ready? And then, am I willing? Am I willing? Part of the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray and that the way that he teaches us to pray in Matthew 6 is to say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Am I willing to come before God and say, Lord, I am laying down my will because I want yours? Am I willing to come before the Lord and say, I am willing to deny myself and take up my cross daily and follow after you? because that's what you have told me to do? Am I willing to take all of the public areas of my life that so many other people see, and am I willing to take the private areas of my life that nobody else sees? Am I willing to take all of my life and live it in complete surrender to Jesus Christ? Are you willing? That's a life of praise. Am I ready? Am I willing? And then this, am I unable Am I unable? If I am living a life of praise, then I will realize with greater clarity with every passing day that I am unable to do anything apart from Jesus Christ. See, that's why the cross of Jesus Christ matters so much because there is nothing that I can do to earn God's favor. I mean, to think what David said earlier in Psalm 103, that, that the Lord does not deal with us according to our sins, nor does he repay us according to our iniquities, that's the magnitude of God's love for you. That's the depth of God's love for me, to think that day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, my sins are piling up, my iniquities are piling up, my transgressions are piling up, and yet to think day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, my God is there, arms open wide, love abounding, grace flowing, forgiving me, pushing my sins as far away from me as they will possibly go. That's how much God loves you. And none of that is found in us. It is found only in Jesus Christ. When I surrender to Jesus Christ, I realize that God is the one who commands my life. When I surrender to Jesus Christ, I realize that there is no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. So I will praise the Lord. I will bless him because he commands all things. See, a life of praise is a life of humility. 
And a life of humility is a life of unending praise. And it will stir up everything within me to bless the Lord because he commands all things. Third, I will bless the Lord because he creates all things. He creates all things. Notice verse 22. Bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord Oh, my soul, I will bless the Lord because he creates all things. David now is building to this grand crescendo. This is the most comprehensive statement that David can make about how worthy of praise the Lord is. He says, all of his works, that is, everything that God has set his hand to, everything that God has formed with purpose, which is everything. And then he says, in all places of his dominion, In other words, to all of the places where the authority of God reaches, to all of the places where God is sovereign, which is everywhere, essentially David is saying, let everything, everywhere, bless the Lord. That's how amazing our God is. That's how worthy of our praise. That's how majestic and how holy and how powerful and how great he is, that he alone commands the praise of the entire universe. Oh, that our soul would be captured again by the greatness of God, that we would respond in praise to him and to him alone. You know, we cannot even begin to fathom all that God has created and everything that falls under his dominion. And yet God, God's word tells us of his works. All you have to do is open your Bible to the very first pages in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and read the creation account. Day one, God created the light and the dark and the day and the night. Day two, God created the sky. Day three, he created the earth and the sea and vegetation and plants and fruit trees and so many different varieties of those. Day four, he created the sun and the moon and billions of stars. Day five, he created sea creatures and birds and so many different varieties of those. Day six, he created livestock and creeping things that creep along the ground. And and then he created man and, and he gave man dominion over the fish and the birds and the livestock and the creeping things that creep along the ground. And, and then day seven, he rested. And when God created man, he made him from the dust of the ground and he gave him the breath of life. And then God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper that is fit for him. See, it's not at that point that God created Eve. Instead, at that point, uh, God put Adam before all of the animals, and all of the animals came before Adam for him to name. And I I can just imagine Adam standing out there in the wilderness by himself, surrounded by all of these animals that God has just created. And he knows that God has already made this statement that it's not good for him to be alone And so now all of these animals are just parading before Adam one by one, and he's naming every one of them. But but I can't help but wonder if he stood there also thinking as they were walking by, nope, not for me. Nope, not for me. Nope, not for me. Nope, not for me. And it's like he flips through the entire catalog of creation, and there is nothing for him. And it's at that point that the Lord causes Adam to fall into a deep sleep. And as he's sleeping, he opens up his side and takes out a rib, closes him back up. And God takes that rib and and he creates Eve out of that rib. And then a little while later, Adam wakes up. And I imagine one of the first things that he saw when he woke up was Eve. Yeah. And do you remember what Adam said? Adam said, 
he looks at Eve and he says, this at last, it's like he's saying, finally, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she has come out of man. Listen, all of this, all of creation, all of mankind, all of the animals, the fish, the seas, the mountains, the rivers, all of it rising up to bless the Lord. All of creation coming together in unison, the sun and the moon and billions of stars shine for him. The waves of the ocean pound his praise. The mountains and the valleys and the rivers and the skies are constantly crying out the glory of our God. All of creation rising up in praise to the greatness of who God is. And then David ends this psalm in verse 22 on the very same note on which he began. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. It's like he's saying, come on, man. If all of creation is going to rise up and if all of creation is going to bless the Lord and praise him and show their gratitude and their thankfulness and give him all the glory, then the very least that I can do is the same. Rise up and bless the Lord, O my soul. It's like David now is taking a step back and he's reflected on the work of God in us and for us and around us. And he says, this is your God. This is who he is. This is what he has done. You know him. And if you know him, then you must truly praise him. I've been thinking of a few things over the past few weeks, just remembering what the Lord has done uh, in us and for us and around us. I've been thinking of my own salvation. Who am I that God should choose me? Who are you that God should choose you? Who am I that God should open my eyes at seven years old and, and help me to see the, the depravity of my sin and my need for the Savior? And then to place me in an extended family that passionately loves Jesus Christ. Got to thinking of my own family. Who am I that God should give me a wife that I don't deserve? Who am I that God should take Stacy and I and, and take us all the way across the world to China to adopt our first daughter and then, and then to bring us all the way back to Niagara where we adopted our two boys and, and to be able to step back from that now and think to ourselves, we wouldn't want our family any other way. Got to thinking of this new church in Brantford. I remember a, a little more than a year ago, um, we sat, I sat in a meeting room in a hotel in Brantford with about 30 other people from our core group for a prayer meeting. It was the very first core group prayer meeting that I got to be a part of, and we prayed. I remember we prayed that night for God to move in power, and we asked him, and, and we pleaded with him that if anything was going to happen, he had to do it. We prayed that night, we prayed for many nights after that, that our hearts would be changed, and, and now here we are more than a year later, and I believe, I totally believe, only by God's grace that our hearts have been changed. We continued to pray, and, and we prayed for staff, and a few months later, God answered that prayer with two people that he has used to bless me totally beyond measure. We prayed for our vision nights, we prayed for a place to meet, and a couple of months later, God answered that prayer by leading us to Brantford Christian School, where we now meet as a church. And, and you need to know that um, one of the answers to part of that prayer is that God has worked in the hearts of the staff and the leadership in that church. They have been such an outstanding blessing to us in ways that we could not even fathom having gone in there. They have been so good, and God has been so good through them. We got closer to launch Sunday, and um, we prayed for salvation 
We pray for salvation specifically on Launch Sunday. We pray that God will save many people in the city of Brantford and in the area for many years to come. But I remember three days, three days before we launched, we had our final core group prayer meeting. We stood in the gym at the school in the middle in a circle, about 40 of us gathered together. We were singing praises to the Lord and praying for him to save people, praying for God to open eyes, praying for God to change hearts. We were praying, God, just bring people here. Just get them in the room and let us preach the gospel to them. And then God, you take it from there and you do in their heart and in their life what only you can do. Listen, you need to know that there are some people who are sitting in Brantford Christian School every Sunday because other people in our church have prayed them there. That's why they're there. We got closer to Launch Sunday, and, and Launch Sunday came, and then people were saved by the grace of God. In fact, one guy who came to know the Lord on Launch Sunday, his wife has been praying for him for 10 years. 10 years on her knees, crying out to the Lord for the salvation of her husband. And by God's grace, God opens his eyes on launch Sunday to see his sin and to see his need for the Savior. And now that guy is coming to church almost every week. He's been out just about every Sunday since we started. And the people in our church who know that guy say he is a totally different man. See, you got somebody in your life that you've been praying for for a long time? Don't give up. Don't give up. Psalm 116 says that even as you pray, the Lord inclines his ear to you. It's like he bends down out of heaven just to hear your prayer. God hears you when you pray. Keep praying. Don't give up. A few weeks after we launched, I mentioned earlier we had eight people baptized. We have more people ready to get baptized very soon. Um, back in the spring, we had one little girl come to church. Her name is Maya. She's six years old. And uh, she came, it was her first time to church, and she went into Harvest Kids, and she was like fireballing question after question after question at all of our Harvest Kids teachers. And, and she's like, what does it mean to be a Christian? What, who is Jesus? What, is, what does it mean to be forgiven of my sins? What's the Bible? What does all this mean? Why do I need this? Why do I not need this? What's, and it's like all of our Harvest Kids teachers were like deer in the headlights look on their face because this little six-year-old girl's coming in and just firing questions at them one after another. And uh, we had the privilege that day of sending Maya home with her very first Bible. We found out a few weeks later that uh, Maya and her family have moved out of Brantford. And so there's a good possibility that they will never come back to our church. But you know what? Maya made such a, a deep impression in, in our Harvest Kids ministry that every once in a while she comes up in conversation and, and I hear that our Harvest Kids teachers and our leaders are praying for Maya that the seeds of the gospel that were planted on that one day will someday grow into fruition and into her salvation. Listen, marriages are being restored, relationships are being mended, prayers are being answered. I had one lady come up to me after church a few weeks ago. She came up for prayer at the end of the service, and, and she made a beeline right for me. She had this huge grin on her face, so smiling ear to ear, and, and she said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. And, and she said to me, last week when I left, I, I wrote down a prayer request on the connection card, and I dropped it in the box, just like you tell us to do. And, and she said, I went home, and I prayed for that prayer request, and I know that you guys prayed as a staff for that prayer request as well. And I just wanted to tell you this morning that God answered my prayer. And she said, not only did God answer my prayer, but he answered it in such a way that was far greater than anything I ever could have imagined. God is good. He's answering prayers. He is working among his people. Praise the Lord for that.
And so now, if we're praying for elders for our church, we're praying for wisdom about decisions that need to be made, and the list goes on and on and on. And listen, this is all blessing from the life-giving hand of God. This is the far more than we could ever ask or think. And so my soul will rise up with all of creation and bless the Lord because he alone is worthy of our praise. My soul was made to praise the Lord. Your soul was made to praise the Lord. There will be no greater calling on your life, no deeper longing for your soul than to praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we are here tonight only because of your grace and your goodness and your mercy to us. And so, Lord, it is with great joy that as a people, we stand to our feet and we bless the Lord, O oh, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of our iniquity, who heals all of our diseases, who redeems our life from the pit, who crowns us with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies us with good so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. We confess, Lord, again, that right now the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. Lord, we thank you so much for loving us with an everlasting love, a love that we don't deserve, and yet a love that you have showered upon us in ways that are far beyond us. So Lord, we say thank you. This is our response of praise to the greatness of who you are. May it come, even right now, from clean hands and pure hearts, hearts that desire your glory and your glory alone. So Lord, in this room right now, may you find your people rising up and blessing the Lord with all that we are, giving you everything that we have, because you, God, you alone are worthy of all of our praise. Thank you for Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.